0: Hello, hello, my friends. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad to see you. Welcome to another episode of Be Real, Get Real with Women's Prosperity Network. I am Trish Carr, your host for the show, and I'm thrilled that you are here. So get comfortable. Go ahead and get, you know, your beverage of choice, whatever that is. If you're live, I imagine you're having a a quiet beverage like me. I'm having water. If it's later, you know, you never know. Whatever you want, get comfortable. We're just going to have a conversation here. And I'm so excited about today's show because I'm going to bring you one of my dearest friends. And this is a woman that I admire so much. And I know that you are going to love her. And today's conversation is going to be really interesting because we're going to talk about some things that we don't usually talk about. And, uh, you know, when those things that we don't talk about get talked about, it gets really good. So, uh, be with us, get comfortable. You know, the show is always about being real and getting real because, truthfully, you know, we do shows to introduce each other for our businesses so that we can uh, get to know our products and services. But the reality is that. We don't do business with businesses. We do business with people. So let's get to know the people behind the businesses because that's what builds the know, like, and trust, is knowing those people. So it is my pleasure to introduce you today to Vis Maya Rubin. this Maya, you think that's easy to say? Sorry. Vis Maya is a mental health advocate and the founder of Living in Gratitude Today. She, her approach to gratitude is original, edgy, direct, and energizing. For 20 years, she taught inner city high schoolers to tap into their inner gratitude gangsta and appreciate life regardless of their circumstances. Now she shares these tools with overwhelmed and overworked women who are ready to reclaim their happiness? So, my dear friend Vismaya Rubin, welcome to the show.
1: So happy you are with me today. So thrilled to be here, and and I adore you, my friend. Yes, ditto at you too.
0: Me too. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation because, you know, as much as I love you, we don't get a chance to see each other as often, and we kind of catch up in between. So. This is a chance for us to catch up as well. So before we get into the conversation we want to have uh, around this particular topic in the show, tell us a little bit about being a teacher in an inner city high school and how on earth you were able to shift attitudes of kids in high school to one of gratitude.
1: All right. So first, I feel like a rooster. So let me fix this hair before. No, your hair looks fabulous. I love it. (laughs) It was sticking up. So I taught a character development class based on the seven habits of highly effective teens for quite a while. And I created the curriculum, loved it. And then one day my principal comes in and says, oh, by the way, we're going to mix that class. You have to teach writing. I was fuming. I was furious. So I walked in. So let and me I, ask you, before you go forward, was that a budget
0: cut that made that happen? What made that happen? That a character class was pushed out for reading, writing, arithmetic?
1: Because writing was part of the, it was not a budget cut. It was that reading, writing was part of the state test. And when the kids score higher on the state test, the schools. Gets more money.
0: Yeah. It so it was because we had to pursue better test results. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to reinforce some of the things
1: we want to change in our schools. So uh, I was really, really angry Mm. because my kids, they needed what I was teaching them. So I I had to kind of go with it a little bit. And I said, all right, you want me to teach writing? I'm going to do it my way. So one of the things that we started to do, I had ninth graders and and in the beginning, the the test was very, it was a very silly test. You know, you made up facts and you kind of just wrote and very dumb. So when I was doing that, I was just having kids keep gratitude charts. And, you know, I would have these ninth graders come in. I said, we're going to start practicing gratitude. So every month you need to come in with a list of 20 things that you're grateful for that are unique to the month. So don't tell me I woke up today and write that 20 times because I'm not accepting that. Or, you know, oh, I have a roof over my head. That's great, but that's not practicing gratitude. That's repeating a rote gratitude chart. Fast forward, when they changed the test and they started to do evidence-based testing, we had to do reading where kids had to then pull evidence from the article to support whatever position they were taking, which was great because I was like free reign here. So I started pulling in articles about gratitude, about breathing, about sugar, whatever I wanted to. So it, it enhanced that, that practice for them. But tell a ninth grader when they walk into class the first day of ninth grade that they're going to start keeping a gratitude chart. They looked at me like I had lost my mind. Who is this lady? They were going, we're going to make it up. She's crazy. She doesn't know my life. I mean, eye rolls, like craziness. And then it started to shift. So within a few months, you know, around Thanksgiving, they would leave me little notes saying, wow, you know, thank you for making us do this. And then by June, they were having these epiphanies, you know, wow, you know, I, 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 my brother and I are getting along better. One little girl came up to me and she says, you know, I realize that I have so much free time or so much time that I get to spend with my family. Another one of my kids said to me, you know, I realize that when I'm feeling sad, all they have to do is do something for somebody else. So that was that was pretty rewarding, and and knowing that they they got it, but it was because I was constantly on them saying, "Hey, did you you know what's on your gratitude chart?" When you walk in, you see gratitude chart due. So it was it was pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I mean, to think
0: about that, you were able to turn ninth graders around and give them a skill for life. Something that they'll use forever. In fact, I was at your website recently and I saw one of the stories on there was from a young man who went into the Marines and just tell a little bit about him and, and what happened for him
1: after high school. So that was pretty shocking. When I got a, a note on Instagram, he sent me a, a, a message and he's like, you know, and he didn't love my writing class, let's be real. So he's like, of everything you taught us, there was a time that I was doing affirmations with them right before the testing, because I don't believe in the philosophy that if you fail the test, you're a failure in life. That's right. another story. Right. <laughs> so so I would do this whole thing on affirmations and I would make them say affirmations. And um, he said to me, he's like, you know, if it wasn't for you teaching us how to, to do those affirmations and to, to, be present to the things that are working in our life. He said there were days that I had to say those affirmations 100, 200, 300 times just to get through the day.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that was
1: pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, literally a perfect example of what you were able to do for him in high school that translated to his life when he was in in battle, I mean, he's in the Marines now, you can't be any more in battle than the Marines. So really, Vismaya, I hope you see, so often what we do, we think, oh, you know, no big deal. I hope you see that what you have done is a big deal. And the the (laughs) ripple effect of what you've done is literally gonna change their world and our world as a result. I so do. Sometimes I need the reminders.
1: So those are good
0: reminders. Let that in. Let that in, because that you really have changed lives. And you know, with you in the last couple of years, you've experienced lots of loss. And I, I, I may have started before. You know, during the pandemic, when you lost your dad, right? Was then even before that, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the <laughs> journey you've been on in the last few years with dealing, like really using the tools you teach everybody else, using them
1: for yourself. So I stopped teaching in 2017. I said to, you know, I, I really had a talk with myself and I said, if I'm going to tell my kids to go out and take risks and to take chance, you know, make take chances and go for their dreams, I had to do the same thing. So I graduated from teaching in 2017 and then by January of by the end of 2017 my dad was getting very sick my my biological dad right and um, by 2000 by the beginning of 2018 he passed away and one of the things was thank thank god I had quit when I quit because I was able to be with him be by his bedside hang out with him really have these moments that were very touching and very beautiful, and I got to like have great you know conversations with him. I would yeah. say to him, "What are you grateful for?" And he was probably at that point ready to like give me a little poke in the eye because it was <laughs> constant. Like, "What are you grateful for today?" And he's like, "Seriously?" But then there were moments that he would share things with me that were just it was beautiful, and I would write them down in a little in a little notebook. And so I got to to be there with him till the end, and then. Six months later, my uncle, who was I was very close with, um, in May, my cousin called me up and he says, listen, my dad just had two major surgeries. He's living in the assisted living facility. They are so frustrated right now because we've. he doesn't want me to be here. We've hired aides. He's kicked every aide out. Can you be here? And I said, yeah. So I went there and I was like, this is going to be a piece of cake. And it was very challenging. And every day I had to wake up and say, Today is gonna to be a great day. And my mind was going, Are you kidding me? Do you say where you are? And I'm like, But today is gonna to be a great day. And I would post affirmations on the wall. And then one day I said to him, and I and I adored my uncle, and he adored me. If you if, if you asked him who was his favorite kid, even though I wasn't his favorite, I wasn't his kid, he would have said me. Yeah. My cousins would agree. But I said to him one day, I said, you know, uncle, I said, what are you grateful for today? And honestly, the the answer I was waiting for was nothing. And he looks at me and he goes, you. Uh. So then fast forward to we go through the pandemic. I'm like, life is going to get back to normal. Um, at the beginning of 2021, right. my stepdad, who was also like a dad to me, goes into the hospital. Once he gets out of the hospital, they're like, he can't live by himself. I'm like, okay so i moved myself to miami stopped doing everything in my life his house looks like sanford and son if you've ever watched sanford and son where (laughs) it is and i'm not exaggerating what i'm telling you boxes upon boxes upon box he was of the generation where you don't throw anything away yeah so i would go and sort through things i would throw a screw away and the next minute i turn around and he was picking the screw out of the the Recycle bin because he's like, Well, somebody's gonna need this one day. And I was like, In the beginning, it was cute, but after that, I was like, You've got to be kidding me. So, three months doing that, we sold everything, every last thing, learned how to go on eBay and marketplace, and then I moved him into a assisted living facility. And then on August 16th at four something in the morning, I got a phone call and they said, Uh, Miss Rubin, your dad is dead. I'm like, what? And I thought it was a joke. And I'm like, this isn't funny. If you're not calling me from the facility, I don't want to hear from you. So it was the police department calling me. So we hung up, whatever that happened, the facility called me and my dad had, had passed. So I went through that year, but in the middle of going through all of that, you know, starting to work again on practicing grant, not working again, but trying again to, to get my message out there. But I was grieving. I was dealing with a lot of grief and how do I experience what I was experiencing and sending out a positive message? Because I do believe that you can experience sadness and gratitude at the same time. And I remember on his birthday, a couple months after he had passed away, I was crying. like I just could not stop crying. And then I started to write about it. And I'm like, those tears are because I miss him so much. And the gratitude comes from the space of I was so grateful that I had such a great relationship. Not only did I have my biological dad, I had my my ex stepdad. So the joke is, I kept him in a divorce. So I had my ex stepdad, and then the beauty is is that the two of them got along. So I got to have holidays with, you know, both of my dads. I got to have holidays like Father's Day with both of them together and they had a love and a mutual respect for each other and a love for what how much they each loved me. So that was amazing. But experiencing, you know, or going through his his birthday and holidays and missing him i was very present to the fact that i only missed him because of the fact that we had such a tremendous relationship yeah so that was that was pretty amazing yeah. and then a few months ago i lost my mom which was completely unexpected completely unexpected and um we had a relationship where we Adored each other at a soul level. Like we had been together for many lives for sure. But when we were together, we were like oil and water. Mm-hmm. You couldn't say anything about her because I would be like, on top of you. But I could say something about her. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can
0: relate. I can relate. Mothers and daughters, totally different relationship.
1: So that was interesting. I get a call. I'm in North Carolina. I had just had a fabulous vacation with my girlfriends, and then I had to go do a show. So, excuse me, I did a show in North Carolina, and I get a call Monday morning. And it was the day after my sister in law's mother died. So it was kind of like I was melancholy. I was driving home, and she's like, You need to come home right now. You put me in this rotten place, and I can't believe you did this. And you need to get here right now. And I'm like, Mom. I'm going to drive for 10 hours. This is not the way you want me driving. So I'll be home. Take a deep breath. Don't tell me to take a deep breath. I'm home right now. Don't throw any of that gratitude stuff at me. (laughs) (laughs) So that was really a uh, a moment where I have to practice when I preach. And sometimes I have to lean in and I called a friend of mine, Diana, Diana Noble. And, um, I was just like, I need to vent for a minute. And she said to me, the smile this too shall pass. And I think that that's a brilliant thing to remember, both in really great moments and joyous moments, like hold on to those moments, be present, soak them up, experience them, feel them, smell the smells, taste, hear the sounds, because this too shall pass. Yes. And then when you're in the middle of the... I don't know if I'm allowed to say the S word, but the the shitstorm, when you're in the middle of the shitstorm, remember that this too shall pass. So I drove home as my mother kept calling me, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And then to make a very long story short, Monday night I went to see her. I went straight to go see her. Went there Tuesday a couple times. They had not done something at the facility they needed to do with her medicine. And then Wednesday night she called me and she goes, I need to go to the hospital. So I had an ambulance pick her up. I met her at the hospital. She had to have emergency surgery the next morning. And that really was the beginning of the end, like the beginning of the real end. So we spent 11 days in ICU. And um, it was the first time that I was very quiet because normally I'm like posting and, if people want to come over, I'm like, come over. And I'm like, no, I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to be around anybody. I just wanted to be by myself with my mother, which was very interesting. Yes. Yeah. So well, she couldn't talk. She couldn't talk. I mean, that sounds it horrible. Perfect. <laughs> it was, it was so this is funny, but not funny. So I was, I had a huge show and I was freaking out because I needed to go to the show because it was a financial wonder for me. So my friend, Bonnie says this Maya, I love you. I will go sit with your mother for a couple hours at night. Talk about gratitude. I mean, like really like get that for a second. I would go there in the morning and then a friend of mine who really didn't know my mother went there at night to sit with her. So she wasn't sitting alone. And because my fear was that if she was by herself, the night people would think that she has nobody who cares about her and who knows what would happen. But she took time out of her day to go there and sit a couple hours every night. And then the one night that she wasn't able to, she heard it in my voice. She's like, don't worry. I'll change my plans. I'll go. So my mother was intubated at that point. They decided to extubate her on that Monday. I go there and I was thinking, this is horrible, but it's the truth. I was like put the tube back in. Cause all she was doing was like mumbling F-bombs. And when she saw me, cause you know, now she had been they had taken away some of the, the sedative and she saw me and she was really pissed at me because she thought that I put her in the hospital, which I didn't. So it was a very interesting battle back and forth. You know, there was like anger and frustration and I'm, you know, crying because this could be the end. And then the first word that comes out of her mouth is an F-bomb. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Put the tube back in, please. I didn't say that out loud, but that that was kind of what was going on. And, you know, sometimes when I say, oh, I teach about gratitude, everybody expects me to be like a Pollyanna. I'm not a Pollyanna. Life life happens. And sometimes I get angry. And sometimes I want them to shove the tube back in my mother's throat. (laughs) I was embarrassed. Like, you know, F-bombing everybody and I'm touching her and she's like pulling herself away. Like she wants to punch me. I'm like, oh my God. And I've been struggling and stressed for days over this. Right. I had my friends sit at your bedside and <laughs> this is how you treat me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So, you know, then then it, I had to make a decision because the the wound was, there was necrosis in the wound, which meant the, the muscles around were dying. Everything was dying. And, I, and, and again, this is a moment of gratitude because the doctors were patient and they were kind and they explained things to me 17 times because I wasn't hearing. And then they would, I would call my best friend who was, who's a nurse and I said, I need you to listen because I cannot hear. And the, the doctors would repeat again what they had just told me five seconds before. And So even in the middle of this struggle, I was still able to find these moments of gratitude. And I think the biggest one came for me um, the night before she died. And, And again, this is like magical moments because we had talked about having a conversation with hospice. I told them on Thursday, have hospice call me on Friday. I went to go do a massage, I came back. And all my calls came through except hospice. And I told them I needed to speak to a rabbi No rabbi, no hospice. So the doctors come in Saturday morning now and they're like, well, how's it going? I'm like, nothing has changed. I said, I still haven't talked to hospice. I still haven't talked to a rabbi. They're like, don't worry, we'll get you a rabbi. I'm like, it's Shabbat. How are you going to get me a rabbi? Right. Behind the scenes, some angels were working and I found out the backstory after. 10 minutes in walks walks a rabbi. Now, he was very observant, so he normally would not pick up the phone on a Saturday, but he's part of a, an emergency system, so he's able to use the phone for emergencies. He comes in. We have a wonderful conversation, and hopefully I'll be able to share that conversation at one point. I'm not there yet, but okay. we have a wonderful conversation. He says, call me after Shabbat. Okay. In comes hospice. I signed the papers and we're now moving her. And I know it's the end. Yeah. So they said to me, do you want to go with her in the ambulance? And I'm, I didn't know that was an option. I'm like, okay. So I went with her in the ambulance. <laughs> and again, another moment of gratitude. Because when we transfer her to the other hospital, you could only have three people in the room. So the hospital downstairs didn't know I was there. I call the rabbi up and he says to me, he goes, I don't have a lot of words. He says, but I'll tell you this, live with her. Live with her. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Live with her. So three of my best friends come in that you know, we grew up together. We have a little bit of a party where the music is on. We're laughing and they know that this is their final goodbye to her live with her live with her live with her and really allowing myself to be in a space of i was <clears throat> i was very sad i was i was, I knew this was it right but to stay in that space of like wow three of my best friends one who just lost his dad a few months before showed up to celebrate my mom's last night of life with me wow
0: The next morning,
1: the next morning I woke up, major anxiety, you know, because every sound I heard, I was like, major anxiety, woke up. And um, I went over to her and I prayed her, I played her a prayer that was like just kind of a prayer before death. And it was just she and I. And I put my hand in her, I put my face in her hand and I said, Ma, pet my face. And you could see like she touched my face a little bit. And she's, she knew it was me because every time I would move, she was she was cognizant enough to know if I moved around because she'd follow me. So she sat there with her hand in my face and I got to say, I'm sorry, you know, and I forgive you because there's a lot of story there that doesn't need to be said today. And I hope you forgive me and know that I'll be okay. So my brother who's my he's my half brother but we never use that term shows right. up. My other brother couldn't come because he had been in Honduras with his wife for the a mass for his mother-in-law and caught covid. So uh-huh. my brother comes in. He puts his face to my mother's, you know, face and is petting her hair and my face is in her hand and I'm crying and he says boo she just told you she loved you I look up at her and I go ma you just tell me you love me and she says she, he goes she said it twice so the last words my mother said were I love you wow. and I think the reason I'm able to remember every single detail is because of my ingrained gratitude practice of finding those moments to hold on to them to remember them to write them down to to listen to them because i know that when death happens it's very easy to fall into the the sadness and the pain because i was there yeah but the beauty is also to find those moments that are like oh my, those were god moments for me like yeah. the last words my mother spoke Or I love you. The last sound my mother heard was me laughing. Oh, wow. I told my brother, I said, you know, we have a bad habit when we're together and something not so great happens, we laugh. And I said to him, I go, if you laugh when my mother dies, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) So we were having the most inappropriate conversation, cackling like Two animals. That's great. And she takes a breath. And I'm like, boo, is that it? And we rush to her bedside. And she takes another breath. And that was it. Yeah. Wow. So live with her gave me the ability to not be in that sadness, but to really allow myself to. And it was a reminder. Every moment I was going into the, oh, my God, my mother's going to die in the moon. Live with her live with her, live with her, live with her and capture those moments that were so beautiful and, and painful, but beautiful. Like, Wow,
0: wow. You could not have told a better story about how what you do in the world and you do for yourself changes everything. I mean, the fact that you were able to stay in the moment to live with her, when you went through losing your father and your uncle and your, your other dad, I mean, all of that happening in a row, I mean, really close together. And you have been, I mean, I, I've seen other people who would be taken down by that and your practice I mean, just, it's a testimony to everything you taught those kids in high school and everything you teach people today. So thank you. Thank you so much. If you, if someone were to say, how do I get started with a gratitude practice? I know the first thing I want to tell you to do is go to livingingratitudetoday.com and sign up for this Maya's monthly membership, which is like nothing, but I'm a member and it keeps me reminded. I love getting your emails to remind me, oh, I've got to remember, live in gratitude. So what would you say to someone besides, let's go to the website right now or the Facebook page and let's get involved in this community that you've created. But how do I get started? Grab your
1: phone and set the phone to go off off every three to four hours. And when your phone goes off, ask yourself these questions. Who or what (laughs) made a difference for me? So it's my gratitude wins. Who or what made a difference for me? What did I do for myself or somebody else? Because we often forget to look at the great things that we do for ourselves and other people. Yeah. How did I nourish my mind, body or spirit? And what made me smile or laugh till my sides hurt? Write them down. (sighs) And then here's the catch. If nothing happened in those three to four hours, if you can't find anything, you're going to do it again in three to four hours again. It's not about beating yourself up. Oh my God, I can't even do a gratitude practice, right? It's about, you know, recognizing and then saying, okay, I'm going to try this again in three to four hours. And if you're really going through something tough and, and maybe getting out of bed was the only thing you could do, that's a moment of gratitude. That's a win. And the more we practice, the more, and it's a muscle. I can't, I can't stand the term attitude of gratitude because I don't know how to have an attitude, but I do know how to have a gratitude practice because there are simple steps that I can do on a regular basis. And that when I do them, that practice goes stronger Just like if I want to, you know, lose weight, what do I have to do? I have to watch what I eat and I have to exercise and I have to actually do those things, put them into practice. The philosophy about them doesn't help me lose weight. Yeah. The action. So when we practice gratitude, if in those three to four hours, again, nothing happens, you're going to do it over and over and over again until it becomes automatic. And now thank God, like something will happen. And I'm like, I can that's a moment. That's a gratitude right. moment. That's a win. Right. Right. And it becomes automatic even in the middle of a of a challenge. I love it. All right, so make sure I got it. Who or what made a difference for me today?
0: Uh, what did I do for myself or someone else today to make a difference? Uh, nourish my mind, body, and what did I
1: do to nourish my mind, body, and spirit today? And did I miss one? And what made me laugh or smile? Or what made me Uh, smile or laugh till my sides hurt? That's it. You're a good writer. You wrote that fast.
0: Yeah, but I I missed the last one. Till my sides hurt. I love that. And here's the other thing. Your sides can hurt. It's so easy. So many times we're in moments where we're upset about something or angry about something. Perfect example. Last night and I, my husband had a conversation And he was mad at me because I kept telling him to close the kitchen cabinets. He goes, who says the cabinets have to be closed? Why can't they be open? So, and I was like, because they're supposed to be closed. He goes, what are you, the supposed to be girl? I thought there was no supposed to's in your world. And I was like, well, forget (laughs) about it. I said, I'm not gonna talk about this with you. And I went into the house. And when I left him, I went into the kitchen and I opened every cabinet door in the kitchen. And I, I went upstairs and then I sent him a text and I said, the mischievous cabinet imp was here. Did you see what they did in the kitchen? And he texted me back, oh, don't tell Trish. I said, well, she's up here tripping right now. Hashtag control fee. So we, we, <laughs> a, we, we turned it into funny rather than let's get angrier and angrier and fight about this stupid roommate issue when we love each other.
1: So, what I also heard there was he's listening because he's like, There's no shoulds in your world. I know. (laughs) Don't you hate it when your own advice comes back to you like that? We love Dan the man. Yeah, we do. We do. So,
0: you know, I could have gotten angrier and angrier, but I said, No, let me make some fun with this. This is the the way to turn it around. So, I love that you have that one in there. What made me laugh to my side? So right now, I want everybody to pick up their phones. Come on, you can do this. And set an alarm to repeat every four hours. Let's start there. And then ask yourself those four questions. And for more information, be sure to go to Living in Gratitude Today. Or go to the Facebook group Living in Gratitude Today. And check out that great shirt that Fismaya has on the hashtag Grateful. Love those. You can get those at the website as well. And let me tell you what, I gave away lots of them at Christmas for presents. They're so wonderful. And everybody that got them is not part of my world, except for one person. But they got these shirts and they held it up and they were like, wow, that's great. That's a great shirt. I love that. And look at the little bit of change that shirt is going to make for them. So thank you so much. Thank My you so mother, much dad. for sharing your story and for showing all of us that life is a journey and you can choose the journey and how you want that journey to go. And it starts in every moment, every moment. Thank you, Vismaya Rubin. Thank, thank you baby. all for being with us today on Be Real, Get Real. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Be Real, Get Real. Real. That was my Elmer Fudd coming out there. Be Real, Get Real uh, next week. Thank you, everybody.